Hello and welcome to episode number 24 of News of the Nerd, a podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, comic books and anything else remotely nerdy. And today we will be talking about the series finale of Secret Invasion. I am Jason and I am here with my co-worker slash co-host. It's Ben, other Ben. Hello, just fulfilling the Ben quota. Happy to be here. Yeah, we need to have a bet. If, if there isn't a Ben on the podcast, it just can't go ahead. Definitely, we need uh, to find some more Bens. So, uh, regular Ben uh, is is missing, presumed scrolled. Unless I'm him in scroll film, of course. Well, that is a possibility. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we're, we're hoping he can join later on in the podcast. Uh, but if not, we'll just we'll go through the episode without him. Um, but first of all. We've got a trailer to discuss. This was so annoyingly released, like, just after we recorded the last episode. And that happened the episode before as well. The the news about the, the SAG-AFTRA strike went out as we were recording. And then this time the trailer's gone out just after we've recorded. I'm starting to feel persecuted. <laughs> just bad timing. Kevin Feige's just... Set out to annoy you and Ben specifically with your podcasting <laughs> quest. Yeah, because we've not liked Secret Invasion. Yep, he sensed it, but he'll not like it either deep down, I'm sure. But this, yeah, this trailer, do you have any thoughts? I think it looks really good, just like the initial teaser trailer. Um, I mean, I was, I was sort of already invested before seeing either trailer, to be honest. I think uniting those three characters is going to be great. Like, I loved Kamala Khan in. Miss Marvel, fantastic acting, great character. Um, same with Monica Rambeau and WandaVision. Um, and obviously already a big fan of Captain Marvel. So seeing the three of them together, I was already invested. But these trailers just added to that. I think it's going to be a really fun dynamic between the characters. I like the twist that whenever they use their powers, they kind of switch places. I think that sort of solves the the question posed about Captain Marvel, but is she too overpowered? How do you sort of write a compelling story with her or not take away her powers. I think that's kind of solved that solution. So, um, yeah, I'm eager to see what it's like. Yeah, I think out of the three of them, Monica's the one I'm least invested in. But hopefully yeah, this film can can delve deeper into her character and uh, and give us something to, to care a bit more about. That's where the TV series have operated well, I think, because I get people's frustrations that, you know, people with being told to have to watch certain shows to get the films, but I'd rather her character was fleshed out a bit, even though it wasn't by a huge amount, rather than her being just introduced in the Marvels and then suddenly you're meant to care about her character. At least she's got a backstory. Yeah, but you can you can make a character compelling and interesting, you know, without having them introduced first anyway. Uh, I always felt like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, did a really good job of that, introducing all these characters, making them work together as a team, and making you care about all of them. Uh, I, I thought was was quite an achievement. Yeah, and yeah. So this film's only got to do that with with one because, like I said, I'm already well invested with uh, with Kamala Khan and with Carol Danvers. I forgot to say as well, Monica was introduced in the first Captain Marvel, but obviously she was a, a child back then. Was, true, true. Yeah, I forgot about that. But yeah, you made a good point. You can, I'm contradicting myself now, but you can, you can be introduced in a film without that backstory. Hawkeye was 
Oh no, he was in four two, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that 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 pivotal moment in four two. <laughs> Who could forget? It, no, it wasn't. It was it was the first Thor. Sorry, yeah. First thought, he was about to take aim at Thor. He had that very brief cameo. Yeah. I love that moment where he goes for the sniper rifle, and he's like, "No, nah, I'm going to go for the bow and arrow." Like you're literally the bow and arrow guy. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you ever go for the sniper? But um, no, it's the Marvel thing. It's coming out November time, isn't it? And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Got a bit of hype for it. Just as we were saying beforehand, just anticipating the toxic ne- negativity that will come come around it. I'm all for constructive criticism. If people don't like it, that's fine. But sadly, you just know there's going to be that misogynistic onslaught, which I hope is defeated at the box office as it was for the first Captain Marvel film. Yeah, those people were very vocal around the first one, and it still took the box office by like absolutely by storm. Like a, a billion dollars at the box office is uh, no small feat. Yeah, I think at the time as well, though, at the time, like Marvel really was like at its height. I'm nostalgic for phase three. It was just like a great film after a great film. It didn't have to be 10 out of 10s, but like Ant-Man and the Wasp was a great palate cleanser after Infinity War, a great fun movie. And it just kept knocking out the park with all sorts of different genres in phase three. It was great. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this one doesn't make quite as much, but that's more just the the nature of the box office at the moment than anything yeah. else. It's tricky, isn't it? I think it's a post-pandemic aspect. And then perhaps with more streaming, and I know you've mentioned before that the time taken from being at the cinema to going on to streaming, it's a lot shorter now. So some people will wait up and think, I'll wait till it goes to streaming. So mm-hmm. that's had a bit of an effect on the box office the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, th- I think especially with Disney+, Plus, Marvel films seem to be coming to streaming a lot sooner than they ever used to, which you know, in some ways, in some ways, is good because it means I get to rewatch them sooner. But in other ways, you know that there will be a lot of people out there that think, "Well, I'll just wait six months rather than go to the cinema." Yeah, and I think reviews and a sort of filtering through earlier, which I'm not a fan of. Like, I think that hit Indiana Jones quite a bit because it premiered movie festival. I think it's like a good month before it actually was released in theaters. And the reaction wasn't great. So that kind of negativity built up. And I think that depressed quite a bit of turnout. Um, I know reviews don't normally appear that ahead of schedule, but some still seem to come through a good few days before people might plan to see it. And even if they've not read the full review, you can just see the headline on Rotten Tomatoes and it could sway people. You know, it could be a difference between whether they're going to go and watch a film or not. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sorry, back to uh, back to this trailer. I... <laughs> I love that moment where I hope this is like elaborated on because obviously this is just bits of uh, dialogue taken and stitched together like they do in trailers. But when Monica says like you you can what did she say you can control light and I can see it like we can all see it Monica that doesn't make you a superhero. <laughs> yeah, that's a good line, and I love the fact that Goose is back in it, possibly yeah. with siblings or kids. There were quite a few kittens in that trailer. Yeah, yeah, lots of flirkins. Which is both cute and terrifying at the same time. Yeah. I feel bad for Kamala in that scene, actually. It's played for last, but yeah, having not been introduced to Flurkins, it would be quite a big shock to see one. It would be terrifying. I really like uh, Kamala Khan. I thought uh, Miss Marvel was one of the, the best Disney Plus shows we've had so far. 
and like just seeing her in this just I, I i really want that like innocent joy that we got in that show and it looks like we're going to get it like she's just she's excited to be there she's excited to be teaming up with her favorite hero and i feel like she's not even you don't even need to act to do that like that is just iman malani being psyched to be working on this film and working with brie larson uh, and you're just in in the Marvel universe. Yeah, as we know, she's a massive Marvel fan, isn't she? And that enthusiasm's carried through. There's that great bit in the trailer where she's like, "Oh yeah, I've got this power. Let me show you." And they're like, "No, too late." <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you know this is slightly off topic, but related? In the comic books, so recently Miss Marvel died. As you know, these things never last for long in comic books. So she is coming back soon, and in her new series. Uh, is going to be co-written by Iman Valani. I didn't know that. That's very interesting. She embodies the character so well, so I think that'll be quite an interesting thing to see how that comes about. Yeah, I hope so. I, I think I think she does really understand the character. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was surprising. But I think I'm there for it. Absolutely. I think Kamala Khan was also one of the better things about the. Marvel's Avengers PS4 game, which, as we know, wasn't great. But her, in terms of the story, her character arc and that was um, really compelling. And that's that's come across well in the TV series as well. I just think the representation for what Kamala represents, her personality, all of it, I just think it makes for a really great character. And Imam Vellani has brought that to life fantastically. Yeah. There's so much um, baggage almost with, with like DC and Marvel comics. The temptation is always to focus on you know, the old school big hitters, you, your Iron Mans and Captain America and Hulk and, and stick with those. But every now and again, they do, they introduce a new character that does like really shine. And I think uh, Miss Marvel is one of those. And I think Miles Morales is the other, like not all that recent anymore, but, you know, fairly recent character that has really gone down well uh, with fans. Definitely. I think it's the real world backstory as well that's so compelling. Like Ms. Marvel, the Disney Plus show was obviously quite light in tone, but then also delved into partition with India and Pakistan, which obviously really happened. And it was very sobering because that was a real event that hurt and affected a lot of people. Yeah, so but fact, I knew nothing about. Yeah, I, I knew little about it either. It's, you know, but it was a huge thing that happened. Yeah. Millions of people displaced, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, died. And it, you know, showing that, I think it's, I don't want to say educational. Well, it is educational, but it's illuminating to have that in a superhero TV series, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that's, that's one of the things that really uh, that really worked for that series was, was you know, diving into this, this real-world history. Yeah, it's, it's like with, um, you look at Magneto and Professor X and the X-Men, that was yeah, yeah. on the backdrop of the civil rights movement, you know, Magneto was essentially Malcolm X's position, Professor X and Martin Luther King's. Um, but then you also had Magneto's family and background, um, which again, really sobering because that sort of persecution obviously did sadly really happen. Yeah. Um, so I know when the first Marvel's trailer came out uh, and I was talking about it on this podcast with uh, regular Ben. <laughs> I'm not offended. Uh, he said it looked like the, the villain had one of the, the bangles on her wrist like Kamala's got. And so I think we see pretty much 
confirmation of that in in this. She's she's definitely putting like a bracelet on that looks a lot like Kamala's. Yeah, I noticed that. So she, I think, is Cree. I believe, even though she's not blue. I don't know why not all Cree seem to be blue, uh, but there are definitely blue Cree in this as well. So I I do wonder how uh, we'll not get into. I don't know. No one's going to be listening to this that's not up to date with Secret Invasion and cares. I, I wonder how that the, the end of Secret Invasion plays into this, if at all, because Fury does say that the Cree are open to peace talks. Yeah, it could lead into that. There are other threads as well. Like I remember they confirmed that Kamala's a mutant and she was an inhuman in the comics. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason they've rebooted the comic as well, because in the new one. It, it's her backstory is going to be changed so that she is a mutant. Okay. And also they played the 90s X-Men theme, just a little hint of it when they said that line. Um, yeah. And even, I don't think there'll be a connection to Shang-Chi in this, but Captain Marvel was in the mid credit scene for Shang-Chi with the, they were looking at the power source connection, weren't they, with the Ten Rings? But I think that'll be for a later date. That's setting up something later, I think. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Ten Rings and the bracelets are linked in some way, uh, like their their origins. Uh, Obviously, the first saga was all about the Infinity Stones and most heroes and villains like got their powers in some way or, you know, around Infinity Stones. It was always relating to Infinity Stones a lot of the time. Um, in, In this new saga it's like ancient mystical mysterious devices like the rings and the uh the bracelet yeah it'd be interesting to see how that uh, plays out and imagine leads into kang dynasty and secret wars and maybe beyond as well yeah uh so i did mention in there about the the, the changing landscape of cinema uh i have been very pleased to see that the cinemas, at least in the UK, I don't know about anywhere else, but cinemas in the UK have had their best weekend since 2019 uh, when Avengers Endgame was released. And it's all due to a meme, really. Barbenheimer? Barbenheimer. Like, if it wasn't for the idea of of seeing these two films on the same day, like just it just gained traction on social media. I don't think half as many people would have been to see either one. Like, there's people who would have never normally gone to watch Barbie that have gone to see it because of that. There's people that have ne- would never have normally gone to watch Oppenheimer have gone to see it as a double bill with Barbie because of the meme. And yeah, ironically, I bet Universal and Warner Brothers were furious that they were releasing their respective films at the same time. Well, I'm sure I read something a while ago that Christopher Nolan was really not happy that his film was being released on the same day as Barbie because he said it was going to, you know, distract from detract from his box office takings for that film. Uh, and like, if anything, it has just massively amplified. It will have amplified how many people went to see it. I think it's amplified the awareness of the film at all as well. It's just, it's been an interesting reversal of expectations because you've had a franchise film like Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny struggle at the box office, although I did think it was good, and The Flash, part of an established DC universe. They've struggled, but then we've got Barbenheimer, 
taken the box office by storm, which perhaps wouldn't have necessarily been expected. I know Christopher Nolan's obviously a fantastic director and has done well at the box office, but then there have been slippages like Tenet, although, again, that was affected by the pandemic. So, yeah, I think it just goes to show if you convince audiences, whether it's through a meme or whatever, they'll, they'll come and see your films. Yeah, I wonder how many studios now are going to try and replicate the the Barbenheimer formula because they always take the wrong message Yeah, from I've these seen, things, don't they? I've seen worrying signs that there might be like a Barbie cinematic universe. Um, <laughs> yeah, which I hope doesn't happen because it was... I saw it the other day and I thought it was a fantastic film and it just needs to exist in its own right. It had a brilliant message, really empowering. Don't milk it for the sake of the box office. I mean, it's it's done it's doing really well at the box office. I think it's I think it has outperformed Oppenheimer. It it's yeah, it feels like a foregone conclusion that they're gonna make a sequel. You just have to hope that they get Greta Gerwig to direct again. Yeah, exactly. And she would probably do it justice. But it, it it comes back to that. They need to think of a good idea and then do it rather than let's green light it, then hopefully think of a good idea. Yeah. So I've not seen Barbie yet. I, I do want to see it. Ironically, is it ironic? I don't know. I'll say it anyway. Ironically, I'm the one in my relationship that wants to see Barbie. My wife has no interest in watching Barbie. I keep trying to convince her. Like, But it's... It's meant to be, you know, it's a feminist film and it's meant to be really good and it's getting great reviews and it's meant to be funny and and she's just, she has no interest. But she was the one who really wanted to see Oppenheimer. She was much more interested in watching that than I was. Although I I loved Oppenheimer, I thought it was a, a great film. I shouldn't have taken a can of Monster in with me because I did need the toilet from about halfway through and it's a three-hour film. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) but i yeah i wasn't gonna go and risk missing anything it was so long it was like it was building up to the detonation of the nuke spoilers it was building up to the detonation and i was like if i go now the bomb's gonna go off while i'm in the toilet and it, it still it seemed to take forever to build up to that and then afterwards i'm like well that's the bomb gone off now so the film's probably not going to be on much longer, and it was on quite a bit longer. So oh, no. I, kept, I kept talking myself out of going to the toilet, and I probably should have just gone earlier on. Uh, but no, it, it was a great film. It um, I knew bits about Oppenheimer from... I, I recently listened to uh, the No Such Thing as a Fish podcast. I listened to every episode. Great podcast, uh, if you like interesting, fun facts. I highly recommend it. But they were talking about Oppenheimer on there, so I knew some some bits of his story from that. Um, like one of the things was that when when he was at school, he tried to poison his teacher because it's not the same reason as was given in the film, but the reason that I heard on this podcast was that his teacher kept getting him to do practical uh, physics and he his interest was in the theoretical physics and he was really annoyed with his teacher about it so he tried to like literally tried to off him and his dad had to get involved he came from quite a wealthy family his dad had to get involved and uh basically like took the school out of kicking him out 
Um, and it's, sorry, we're getting getting sidetracked here. It is a, a, a very good film, and I do recommend it. Um, there were some people who they came out of the cinema in front of me, and while we were on the escalator, I heard them talking. They were wearing all pink and saying, uh, "Yeah, you know, it was it was really long and and like boring in places." And I thought, "Yeah, it's probably not." Like, like I said, I, I am really glad that both films are doing so well and that it has been such a boon for the cinema industry. But I do sometimes think, like, don't force yourself to come and watch a film that you're not going to be interested in just because the internet's made it a thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's on my list as well, so I've not seen Oppenheimer, but I do want to see it. Um, again, listen to a good uh, podcast, Rest is History, Tom Holland, Dominic Sandbrook, they... They covered Oppenheimer. Um, Tom Holland? Yeah, not the Tom Holland. He, oh, okay. <laughs> he suffers from that a lot, though, on Twitter. So whenever there's like a trailer for Spider-Man, he, um, his notifications go crazy and they copy him in. He's <laughs> not that Tom Holland. Like the guy uh, who gets absolutely hundreds and thousands of notifications every Christmas uh, because his name's John Lewis. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, Tom Tom Holland gets it a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do want to see Oppenheimer, but I do highly recommend Barbie. It's, I remember it being announced that the film was going to be made, and I just thought, no, I don't want to see that. But then the trailer was really compelling because it was kind of meta in a way. There's like, I think part of the tagline was, if you love Barbie, you'll love this movie. If you hate Barbie, you'll love this movie. Um, but without giving too much away, the feminist message in it is brilliant. There's a there's a great speech towards the end that someone gives, just basically outlining not only the troubles that women go through on a daily basis, but the unfair expectations that are laid upon them. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's got a really empowering message, um, but it's also really funny. There's good comedic moments in it as well. Um, good acting performances all around. It's like a sex education reunion as well. There's quite a few actors from sex education in it. If you've seen it, you'll you'll spot them. People like Emma Mackey, which is really confusing because Emma Mackey is always confused with Margot Robbie and then both in several <laughs> scenes together. So it's a bit meta in that way as well. But yeah, I'd highly recommend it. And everyone in the screening I went to is quite diverse demographics of people who went to see it, which I think is really interesting to see as well. Yeah, old and young alike. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it Barbie is on my uh, on my watch list. I will get to see it, um, even if I have to go by myself. In fact, no, I'm not going by myself. That'd look creepy, wouldn't it? I'll go with you again, Jason. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was the same as you. Like, why why would I be interested in a Barbie film? And then saw the first trailer. I'm like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, I'm there for it. And I didn't realize till the credits started rolling. Oh, the pre-credits at the start. It's a 12A as well. I thought it was a U or a PG, but it's a 12A film. That is interesting because you would expect a Barbie film to be an an all-ages film. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, it's something I'd, I'd imagine my niece going to, but having watched it, I think it would go over her head, the messaging, and there are some slightly rude bits in it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just thought that was an interesting way for them to take it. But yeah, I'd, 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 like I said, I'd really recommend people watching it. I did see a funny tweet uh, the other day that was saying like we, we should start convincing uh, men that are going to go and watch Barbie that 
they really need to be up to date with the entire Barbie cinematic universe. And like, you can't understand what's happening in Barbie unless you've seen Barbie and the Nutcracker. <laughs> <laughs> I did actually, when the credits are rolling, I did go on Wikipedia just to double check there wasn't a post credit scene. <laughs> it's like we're, we're hardwired now from Marvel to like expect a sequel bait or mid post credit scene yeah. just all the time now. What would it be like Action Man turning up? Yeah, I'm here to talk to you about the plastic toy initiative or something. <laughs> but yeah, if I were directing a film like that, I would be tempted to put in just like a, a joke post-credits tease for for a sequel, even if it's like never going to happen. Yeah, definitely. Deadpool kind of did that, but then the sequel did happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right, so let's... We've got sidetracked quite a lot there. Let's move on to uh, the main topic of the day, which is, of course, Secret Invasion, episode six, the series finale of Secret Invasion. Um, <laughs> are you just glad it's over? <laughs> yeah. I just sighed when it ended, not in a good way. Before we go through scene by scene, obviously you this is the first episode you've been on since Secret Invasion came out, so what are your general thoughts on this series as a whole? As a whole... My overriding thought is that it just never got going. I just, I shouldn't be distracted, but I got easily distracted on my phone throughout most of the series because it just never pulled me in. And I think the premise, you've, in the previous podcast, you and Ben have talked about this. The premise had a lot of potential. There's lots of storylines that could have gone down and just didn't. And there weren't really any twists that you didn't already see coming from a mile off, including in the last episode. <laughs> But it just, yeah, I just, I just wasn't invested, and I'm watching it more out of, I want to finish this. Whereas I said to you the other day at work that had I not been a Marvel fan, had I come across this on a streaming service, I would have given up two episodes in. And it just, yeah, I remember when the the end of the penultimate episode that felt like two or three episodes in. I was thinking like, oh yeah, we've only got one episode left. It just, yeah, it's never built up any momentum for me. That's been my main issue with it. Yeah, to to me, the closest thing I can think it feels like is something like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but a show like that can get away with being a bit slower because we have something like 20 episodes a series. And this felt like it had the same kind of pacing as one of those shows. Yeah, because I thought, is it a nine-episode run, for example, which I know shows like She-Hulk were, which would have fleshed it out a bit more, but I was half expecting as well the last episode to be an hour long, but that was just the same length of time. And yeah. we'll go into it shortly, but that posed lots of problems as well for how the last episode was structured and the pacing of it. Yeah, I, d- I wonder how much resemblance this bears to the original script because there are there are quite a few shots you see where I just think like they're not they're not in the same room together, or like they're not to like you'll see someone. Um, Pretty much any time in a TV series, you see, like, from the back of someone's head and they're talking. So I, I think that they're not saying that. Like, that's been dubbed in afterwards. Um, and I got that distinct impression from the very beginning of this episode. You see Nick Fury in shadow, so you can never actually see his face. And he's on the phone to Priscilla. And, like, I bet that is not Samuel L. Jackson. I bet yeah. that's just a stand-in that they've got last minute because they've decided that actually they need to try and make this relationship more compelling. 
it doesn't feel like they've mapped out the entire season beforehand either. It doesn't feel cohesive. It's like they put some interesting plot points in or what they thought was interesting and thought we'll deal with that later. But then there's no payoff for it. Like you almost forget that Maria Hill was killed off in episode one and she's been a part of the MCU for years. She's been, you know, quite a big character and was kind of unceremoniously killed as like a, a twist at the end of episode one. And you yeah. almost expected, like you, you're like you predicted, you know, almost expected a scroll to maybe take on her persona, but then she's barely been mentioned since episode two. Yeah, it did just feel like you know one of Fury's closest allies, and she she's been in the MCU since the first Avengers film since 2012, and it's just it's it's just forgotten about. Like, well, it's it's not for, like the the act is mentioned because Scrody uses it as leverage over fury but fury's not like he's not racked with guilt for you know he's the reason that she's she's there he's not i don't know there's just so much like emotionally that they could have done with it and fury doesn't really seem to be shaken like that was the moment that was the moment that showed the scrolls abilities of blending in an espionage and like, oh, these guys could really be a threat because she thought she could trust him and it turned out it wasn't really Fury. And yeah, like like I have said in previous episodes, that like espionage feeling just hasn't been there. That that sense of not being able to trust people just hasn't been there. And everyone just trusts everyone at face value. And it very rarely very rarely are they wrong to do that as well. It's the same with um, Talos as well. He was killed off sort of mid-series. I know he's not been in the MCU as long in terms of appearances, but in terms of timeline he has. And again, he was really close to Nick Fury and there wasn't too much mention of him after that. I think, although it sounds a bit shoehorned, the last episode could have at least been a bit longer. And you could have had, although this is quite a generic thing, you could have had him over Maria Hill's grave and Talos's grave where he was buried. And just had some sort of reflective moment just to acknowledge them. You could even have had, as you predicted, a scroll taking on Maria Hill's persona, maybe going to her mum and saying, I know I'm not her, but yeah. I'll sort of represent her ideals and have that scroll as someone who was with Gravik and then was persuaded the other way. That could have been quite nice thematically. I thought it would have made sense for Gaia to do that. Yeah. Because Gaia's mum did take on the the Maria Hill identity for a while, uh, as we saw in Spider-Man No Way Home. Was it No Way Home? No, it wasn't. It was the other one, Far From Home, as we saw in Far From Home. Uh, So I thought it would have been nice for her to take on the identity as a tribute both to Maria Hill and to her mum. Her mum, who I was absolutely convinced there was more to her mum's death. Yeah, could could they just not get the the actress? But then it doesn't matter if she's a scroll, does it? Like it, Talos just seemed so shady about it in episode. I can't remember if it was episode one or two. Talos was so shady about uh, your, your mom's dead. Uh, Gravit killed her. Any anything anything and and what else? Like how? Where? Why? What happened? Like just he killed her. Did he shoot her? Did he like what? What happened? Is that all the information he's going to give her? And I just felt like there's no way he's being that shady about it and telling the truth. And it turns out, yeah, I was just uh, 
I was giving the writing much more benefit of the doubt than it deserved, I think. And one of the benefits they had, one of the few good things, they obviously ended when Talos was killed because there was that train conversation between him and Fury, which is really compelling. I don't know if it would have been better to have kept him alive until maybe the penultimate episode, then killed off, then have an hour-long series finale dealing with the aftermath of that and then going into the final confrontation with Gravit. That conversation in the train car at the beginning of episode two and then in episode three there was the conversation in the car when they were on the way to that guy's house and they they threatened the life of his son. Like the, those two conversations to me were really standout scenes. I I enjoyed Fiori and Talos together. I thought they were one of the few really good things about this show. I enjoyed that that dialogue that they had together. The other thing that I really liked was uh, Sonia Olivia Coleman's character. Who... Yeah, she wasn't in it. She wasn't in it enough, as, you, as you've already said. Yeah, you know, she wasn't in it nearly enough. I can't remember if I said this on the podcast before, but like we know about the controversy with the AI-generated opening title sequence. I'm not convinced that they didn't use AI to plot this series out. Like not not to 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 write the the full script, but like to write the plotting and to because like we've used AI uh, for segments on this podcast before uh, for a laugh, and it is very like the, the Superman one that we had, and it was very like uh, this happens and then that happens and then that happens and then that happens, and none of it's really very cohesive and none of it really like makes much sense as. A movie, it's just you know the the thing that we need to happen next happens, and that's kind of how this has felt. Like things just happen. Okay, so we need we need a, a big explosion in the middle of Moscow. Okay, that can happen, and then that's just like not really mentioned again. I think it's mentioned in episode two that like thousands of people died. Like that is a huge world like terrorist event and it's just it's it's barely mentioned again like no one it's seems just... to care and then in this episode I, I i could not believe in this episode the president was actually going to nuke russia like based I'm on a... very little intelligence like the nukes were launching like he was about to start world war three and end the world without his cabinet just mutually assured destruction yeah on Just the testimony. Go on, go on. Give it a go. Yeah, the testimony of one man when he knows that scrolls are a thing. Surely he knows that scrolls are a thing. He he is aware of that, isn't he? Well, he was under attack from scrolls, wasn't he? That was a whole that whole orchestrated. Yeah. Did he know they were scrolls? Did he see them as scrolls? I'm sure he did. I'd have to I say rewatch it. I don't want to rewatch that episode, but I'm almost no. positive, yeah, he saw it. And... <laughs> but also a really interesting plot point they dropped in nearly at the very end of the episode they totally didn't run with, which was the president going for retaliation and like, now I want to kill Skrulls. That could have been its own series, let alone its own episode. <laughs> and I, thought, I know. That's actually a really interesting, you know, that twists things and it could, adding a moral grey area and it changes the, the pacing of the series, but they kind of just tag that on at the end, like, oh yeah, he's, he's just killing having people killed indiscriminately, you know, scrolls. But again, they're just like, oh no, we're not going to follow up on that. 
And I was really unsure at first whether we were meant to like root for that course of action. Like, I don't know. It it felt like a very American response. It's like, right, we're going to kill all the scrolls. And at first, I was like, wait a minute, is that meant to be? Is that meant to be a good thing? Are we meant to agree with him? And then the but, PM's shot dead because they think she's a scroll and she's not. But she was. <laughs> no, not the one that was shot at the end. No, no, not the one that was shot at the end. Like she was a scroll. And then they'd obviously rescued the real prime minister, and someone must have must have thought she'd been acting a bit odd at some point. <laughs> That's a bit scrolly to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, she had been a scroll, but wasn't anymore. <laughs> but yeah, it could have been a really paranoid espionage thriller. It could even have been an Avengers film potentially. That could have been an interesting dynamic of Avengers, not quite in a civil war way, but again, not trusting each other because some of them are scroll counterparts it had potential there's nothing wrong with the premise but they just didn't execute it well or do anything particularly interesting with the premise yeah that that was a big part of the comic was like some of these heroes are going to be revealed to have been scrolls for a long time um i think famously spider woman it turned out had been a scroll for quite a long time in the comics in in the secret invasion uh story and yeah, there, there there was a lot of a lot of potential there for that. And like I said, they, they could have built up to that so much just with just with little teasers and hints of scrolls here and there. But we all we had was Rhodey who we saw from Myloff. And then again, I could see from Myloff that Fury wasn't going to be Fury when he confronted Graphic. He just knew that was going to be a twist. Yeah, yeah, that was that was so obvious, right, right from the start, like that's oh, definitely not going to be uh not going to be fury I, I wasn't sure if it would be gaia or someone else i thought probably gaia but yeah the only that, thing that made me question it a bit is that she started saying very specific things that you'd think only fury would know about like you know i tried for a couple of years and then realized i wasn't going to be able to find you a home and i'd have to build your home here on earth and like it, it all felt very much like oh like that must be Fiori then, because unless he's like briefed her in advance, like he's going to ask this, you tell him that. I don't know. And it was the generic villain says, I'm going to kill you, but first let me monologue and tell you my evil plan. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the fight was so cartoonish. It was meant to be like a cool moment, but I just thought, I know there are more time pressures on Marvel TV shows and the CGI doesn't always hold up, but. It was just all so weightless. What was the actual plan, though? Like This is l- what confuses me. Let him use Harvest so that she also gets the powers and then kill him after he's become ridiculously powerful? Like, they already had the same powers. She could have tried to kill him before that. She could have, like, as he thought she was, you know, Fury dying on the floor, taken by surprise and try and cut his head off or something, I don't know. Something that extremists can't cure. And then she kills him quite easily. But then, yeah, it, it just felt like, was that the plan all along, to lay there in the middle of that machine while he used it on himself? It just it doesn't make sense. Why would you let him get to that level of power? Like, he could have he could have easily decided, you know what, I'm not going to I'm not going to have this fight, and just, like, Captain Marvel flown off and gone and wreaked havoc somewhere. 
Which like, again would have made more sense because if they're trying to bait for season two, that could have been a season two plot line and Gaia trying to go after him. But now you've got a very overpowered superhero. But <laughs> Ridiculously overpowered. Like, in every film and TV show now, people are going to say, oh, where's Gaia? She could help out. Yeah, she's got the powers of just about anyone who's ever appeared in any Marvel film ever. Just like that as well. Yeah, she's got Hulk powers, she's got Drax powers, whatever they are. Tattoos, she's got Drax's tattoos. Yeah. Like, is that just part of his skin? I always assumed that was, like, carved into his skin or something. But apparently it's part of his DNA. I don't know. I saw the Mantis powers, I spotted that. Let's try and get Gravik to sleep. I I thought that was one of the one of the better uses of the powers. Like more more interesting uh, was he using the mantis powers rather than just like shooting blasts at each other and being strong using Hulk arms. But yeah, like yeah. what what else was in there? Uh, Valkyrie, I think, was on the computer. One second, you know what? I've got I've got the Disney Plus stream up now. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna skip to that part and see. Whose name shows up on this computer? I have to pause it quickly. There's Cull Obsidian, one of the Black Order in Infinity War and Endgame. Did he not already have Cull Obsidian? Oh, that might have been, yeah. That might have been the first time. It does show on the computer again, but I think he already had it from the before that he had before. I think as well, it would have been more interesting rather than just been giving them permanent powers. It could have been a bit more chaotic if it was... You know, like we've seen in Logan and even in The Boys on Prime with, is it Compound V? Yeah. It could have been more chaotic if it was like the desperation just to get like a quick hit of superhero powers and then cause as much havoc with that as possible. That yeah, would have made yeah. it a bit more interesting than just, yeah, you've got these this cocktail of powers now. You've now got every power. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Ghost, which we, we saw her use. That's from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Captain America, uh, Corvus Glaive. That's one of the Black Order. With the spear thing, I think, Corvus Glaive. Yeah. Uh, Thanos. Oh, right. I, I, I didn't spot that one, but yeah, Thanos' DNA is there. Outrider. Who's Outrider? I don't know. I'm not sure what Outrider is. Uh, Proxima Midnight, another Black Order. Captain Marvel, obviously. Abominations there. Yeah, I think Gravik kind of grew to his size temporarily. or had like the ear, ears of abomination. Uh, Korg, Drax, Mantis, Gamora, Frostbeast, Hulk, Black Panther, Valkyrie, Thor, Odinson, and then the camera cuts away. That's all that you see. So with all those powers, it still doesn't feel like it's like a battle of the ages. It just feels like they've gone up into the air, punched each other a few times, and then she's killed him. Yeah, that's the thing. It's too many powers, isn't it? Yeah. Like the interesting thing about different superheroes is how are they going to use their specific powers to their advantage? Uh, she's just got every power now. Like at least the the classic comic book Super Scroll has four powers. The powers of the Fantastic Four. Not just yeah. every every power of everyone. Just throwing some random ones in there. Yeah. It just, yeah, it just didn't work. I don't know if we were meant to root for Gravik at all or admire him, but I just found him quite irritating, really, throughout the season. Yeah. And again, it could have been a compelling representation because 
you know, the idea that they touched on a bit was the frustration with what was promised was not what was delivered. That could have made him a bit more of a compelling, maybe more of an anti-hero than a villain. But I don't know. I just I found it more entertaining when you and Ben kept calling him Gravlax. <laughs> yeah, but with, with some more competent writing, this show really could have been something special. And it just wasn't. And I've I'm, I've been a lot more forgiving with Phase 4 and 5 of Marvel, and I felt the TV shows on the whole have held up to be quite good quality, but this is the first one I felt a real dip, especially in recent times. I honestly think I enjoyed this more than Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but that's it. I disagree there. Though. I'm, I'm a bit kinder to Falcon and Winter Soldier, but I feel that was better than this. At least like, we cared about the characters more in Falcon and Winter Soldier, at least. Yeah. I know they had the backstory, but even so. I I just wish I'd I wish I'd started this podcast earlier because one of the main things I wanted to do on this podcast with Ben is talk about these shows. I wanted to you know dissect every episode and get into the nitty gritty and and that came from WandaVision. Like when WandaVision first came out and there was so much like theory and speculation and uh, that so much to discuss in every episode. And then we've started the podcast, and the very first show, the very first Marvel show we've got to talk about is this, <laughs> and it has made it um, n- not quite a chore. It's just it's disappointing that I've not been able to be more positive about it. I feel like it's probably made some entertaining podcasts just because we've been ripping it to shit. But I just, yeah, I, I, I wish I was able to, to to be more positive about it and be more excited about it. And, you know, I've not had that feeling of, oh, you know, series finale's out today. It's need to watch it as soon as possible to avoid spoilers. Like, I just really wasn't, what's the word? I wasn't infused and I wanted to be infused. Yeah, I just don't think that was a standout episode that built up that enthusiasm. I think... Most people can be forgiving for an episode or two and try and let it breathe a bit. But it just, as I keep saying, it just never got going. And there wasn't one episode I can look back on and think, oh, yeah, that was that was pretty good. There was some slightly better than the others, but none of them left me thinking I can't wait till next week's episode. That was one of my big issues as well. Yeah. Uh, the other thing about this fight is it just kind of just feel like they only really need Captain Marvel's powers, don't they? Yeah, because she's got a combination of powers just on her own anyway. And she's she is like the the strongest, the most powerful. She can fly. She like there's no need to use any others if you've got Captain Marvel's superpowers. Do do we think do we think Gaia is gonna turn up in the Marvels now that she has Marvely powers? I, in the middle post credit scene, I can see, but I don't think she'll feature in the film itself. And ironically, I saw some on posters on Twitter, which is quite a good point, that the very thing that She-Hulk lampooned in the She-Hulk finale happened in this. The yeah. whole expectation of a big CGI fight and bringing it all together happened in this. So it's already been really deconstructed well by She-Hulk. Whereas actually it might have been more interesting to, rather than people thinking, oh, okay, we're going to get a generic fight, maybe have Gravik and Gaia just fighting normally with the powers they've already got. Maybe Gravik fights off Gaia, tries to take the powers for his own, and then it kills him because it just overwhelms him, all those powers together. 
and then you've got less of the grainy sort of lifeless cgi that we had in the final episode yeah killed like by his own ambition yeah exactly yeah that, that is a, a more interesting plot point yeah and like, you could have had you know some of the scrolls that weren't happy with his leadership some of them could have been warning from a scientific scientific point of view like this is probably going to kill you yeah i wouldn't do it and then that can be shown to have happened i, I really enjoyed the, the fight like Gravik's people fighting Gravik in the last episode, where they've seen they've seen him use his super scroll powers, so they're just like, we're just going to stick a bag on his head. Yeah. <laughs> they've seen him get shot in the face and regenerate. They've seen him Groot arm through someone's chest. Like we're going to put a bag on his head and be like beat him with a bat. Like do do you really think that's going to help? And then again, there's no payoff for that. You thought. Maybe we could have delved deeper into his acolytes and had the conflict between those saying, no, we still need to, like, even if it's more subversive, we still need to stop him. And those who were just terrified into submission are like, no, he'll kill us otherwise. That was never sort of picked up on again. Yeah. The whole ruling by fear aspect. Yeah. Um, Martin Freeman got a, a special guest star credit in this episode for his one line. He did indeed. But that scene worries me a lot because people now seem to think that because obviously Rody, the real Rody, was rescued at the end, but that means he's been a scroll since Civil War, which would be a really bad retcon for his character if that's true. Because you've then got that powerful small scene with him and Nebula in Endgame, where they're both talking about their disabilities and how they've been changed. That'll be totally undercut if that whole time. Rhodey's been a scroll, and it totally undercuts him mourning for Tony Stark at the at the funeral. Yeah, well. so he he doesn't walk out on his own power; like he is, he's basically carried out. Yeah, I I'd not really thought about that. I was thinking he's just been there for so long that like he's weak and he can't walk. But is that is that because he doesn't have use of his legs? I just think how the series has been received, they need some clarification, and ideally they need to say he was captured sometime after Endgame, because then you're not interfering with his character development. And even his brief appearance in Falcon and Winter Soldier, you have that powerful moment with him and um, Sam Wilson. There's that just short moment, and that's undercut as well, if you just say, oh no, he was a Skrull at that time. I've got a feeling he's going to have been a Skrull since, uh, be- since the blip. I think his first scroll appearance was Endgame. That ruins things totally, though. Just although someone pointed out, it kind of adds a bit more weight to the start of Endgame when he turns to Captain Marvel and says, "No offense, where the hell have you been?" Yeah, it adds a bit more weight to that from a scroll perspective. But like I say, it totally ruins the conversation he has with Nebula later on, and him mourning for Tony Stark on the battlefield, who's been a friend with for years, pre both of them getting the suits. And also the funeral later. It's one of the most powerful scenes in the MCU when they're panning across pretty much everyone who's been in it up to that point at Tony Stark's funeral. If you're now just thinking, that's not Rhodey, he's been with him from the beginning, that's just a random scroll. It's just a bit of a kick in the teeth. I was half expecting him to say something about needing Tony, get Tony or something like that. Yeah, Um, that would have made it unequivocal of when he was captured. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I did think there would have been a bit less uh, ambiguity there. I thought they were going to give us some answers, but uh, apparently not. But there oh, is God. a roadie film coming out, at least. There is uh, Armour Wars. When is that? I was going to be a series. When is that coming out? I mean, the writers and the actors are striking, so God knows. That's where, uh, there doesn't seem to be much end in sight for uh, getting Hollywood working again. Nobody's backing down. No, which is a shame, but there do need to be better pay conditions. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm totally on the side of the strikers. I mean, it was telling the Bob Iger's kicked off the Disney head honcho, and is he getting $27 million a year? I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? He, he could still be on a ludicrous amount of money and, like, halve his pay. Yeah, and I just think... It just seems to be an industry where so many people are overworked. And I think it was the last podcast you pointed out the, the residuals and how small they are Yeah, for, for budding actors. And it's, yes, your top-tier actors are going to have very good salaries. The sympathy is not for them. They're raising awareness for the actors who are just trying to make a living and rely on those residuals, and they're getting something like $27 across the whole year. It's just they, they need to come to an agreement, don't they? It's, you know, it's it's... Obviously, hitting the striking actors and staff involved as well, who are already not getting the best remuneration for a start. Yeah, um, the, the, the troubling um, reports from studio insiders, however, have been that studios are planning on on waiting it out until writers and actors who are out of work, like literally, cannot afford to keep striking. They're planning on just on just waiting until, you know, people are missing rent and missing mortgage payments. That's really dark. It is, yeah. It really is. And like I've said before, like these are the people who make the entertainment that we love, uh, that, that we're podcasting about. I want these people to be well paid. Even, you know, the writers of this show deserve to be well compensated. However bad it's been, they deserve to be well compensated because they have made a show that has been watched by millions of people all over the world. Yeah, it's all the names of the people you see when you're waiting for the post credit scene. It's all those yeah. names that are coming up on the cinema screen who, yeah, yeah. They, deserve, they deserve that recognition. Like, that's, that, that's got to still count for something because we've talked before, right? like, you know, in the old days, a show would... An American show would get played in America first, and if it did well, it'd get sold to other countries, and that's when you started making big books. But now with streaming, shows are just worldwide from day one. And, yeah, when when so many people are watching it because it's a Marvel show, but that doesn't change the fact that if you're working on a show that is big IP, then, you know, you deserve big IP money. Yeah, absolutely. There's a few there's a few bits towards the end of this episode. So so firstly, Gaia is recruited by Sonia to do God knows what. And then Sonia like takes her down into a bunker and there's loads of people unconscious with like is this just all the people who they've replaced? I thought they were all in that Russian compound. I guess it could be across the world but, if they're meant to be about a million scrolls. Yeah. But he, like, even Gaia is shocked when she sees him there. So did she not realise how many scrolls there were? Is it linking to Thunderbolts as well, or is that totally different? You know, there's sort of 
moral grey area that Sonya seems to represent. Yeah, I, I really hope we get more Sonya in things like Thunderbolts. Like she, I, I was listening to the Empire podcast about this, and they were saying how like Sonya has been a more successful version for them of what uh, Val was meant to be. And I totally see that. Well, I I quite like Val's character, and I liked it when she popped up in uh, Wakanda Forever. Sonya, I I have enjoyed every moment she has been on screen so much, and that is in no small part due to Olivia Coleman. Like I I feel like. Pretty much everyone has been badly written in this show, but Olivia Coleman is such a good actress that she can, you know, inject personality into the character anyway. It'd be good to have a scene with her and Julia Louis-Dreyfus together, playing against each other. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, we we might get that. I hope for that. Yes, me too. Like, hopefully, it, it can, hopefully it passes the Bechdel test as well. Might be even better. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, like if if we can get one good thing to come from this show, it would be Olivia Coleman in the wider MCU, and it yeah. definitely looks like that is the plan from the end of this episode, because they didn't kill her off, they didn't reveal her to be a scroll. And again, it's another wasted opportunity. You look at the cast before this came out, who's taken part, including Olivia Coleman, and you think, oh wow, there's all sorts of avenues that could go down with this. Yeah, even Amelia Clark, that you know, I'm sure a lot of people are excited to get in, in the MCU, has just not been. I don't know, she didn't pop in this for me, she really didn't. And nothing about that character makes me think, yeah, I want to see her come back. She wasn't a scene stealer, certainly not in the way that Olivia yeah. Cobb was. and Samuel L. Jackson still is as well. Yeah, I think that that's quite interesting though. that in in the early days of the MCU, it would be like the people with powers. You'd be like, you know, oh, I can't wait for them to pop back up in and see how they can interact with this other person and their powers. I feel like we've had that so much now that you, you end this show with two new characters, one of them having every superpower ever and the other one having no powers, just being an interesting character. The one that you want to see come back is the, the one who is powerless. Yeah, that's like, a very good point. Presumably, if and when Olivia Coleman comes back, Gaia will have to come back in some capacity, but I hope the powers have just worn off. <laughs> yeah. They go, oh, yeah, what did you know? It wasn't permanent. Oh, well. You should have checked the, the information on the box. <laughs> yeah. Battery's not included. Yeah. But like, like, like I said earlier, that would have been more interesting, a time-limited power-up, and almost like a kamikaze, you know, the... The scrolls wants to do as much damage to the humans as possible in that short time period would have been a more compelling story than just, yeah, we've got these powers now. Yeah. So the other new character that was introduced in this was Priscilla as well, uh, Fiori's wife. And I really didn't buy that relationship at all for most of this show. Uh, the romantic in me did kind of love that final scene with them together because that's been a lingering question since she was introduced, is is she ever in her scroll form around him? And would that bother him? Would he be comfortable being married to someone who, like, he knows she's a scroll, but if she never looks like a scroll, um, And then, yeah, you, you do get that, that final moment where 
she she dons her true face and then they kiss and it was a bit like that's yeah that's a nice moment i liked that too little too late but it was a nice moment i believed their relationship oh, a thousand times more in that one scene than i have for the rest of this show and it was much needed closure and sort of more compelling payoff because those questions were asked and he just sort of didn't say anything. I thought, oh, that's awkward. Yeah. Like, you not saying anything to those legitimate questions, you kind of, you've already answered the question. Yeah. He got off quite lightly with that, actually. I'm surprised she wasn't like, well, obviously you don't want me to be in scroll form. It just kind of left lingering for too long until the last scene in the last episode, as you just said. Yeah. Although she did say, what did she say? She said, she said I, I can't remember what it was, but she wants to go by her true name now. Uh, but her reasoning was, now that humans know about us, I'm going to go by my true name. I don't have to hide anymore. And he's like, yes, you do. Like, we've just had a scene with Fury explaining how vigilantes are killing people for suspecting them to be scrolls, And now's the time where you want to go by your true name and stop hiding. No, now is the time you need to hide even more. Literally seconds beforehand. <laughs> Yeah, but she said she, said she was going to go go to the sword, was it sword? Sabre. She was going to go to the Sabre uh, space station with Fiori, but not forever because her true work is here, she said. What is that? What does she do? Well, the only yeah, thing she... we've seen her do is chop veg. And have guns in the, in the apartment. Yeah, like what... I I wasn't entirely sure what she meant by that. Maybe she's going to try and help humanity to accept them. I don't know. Again, the potential for another series or episode, but I doubt we're going to see that. Yeah, no way are we getting Secret Invasion Series 2. No, absolutely not. We might get some more uh, Priscilla maybe in the Marvels because, you know, that is that is going to be at least partially set on Saber. But that ended up being a spoiler in itself because you you didn't have any stakes with Fury in the last episode thinking, oh, he could actually die after all this time because you're like, we've already seen the first trailer for the Marvels, we know he's in that. Well, there's always the possibility that he's a scroll, but yeah, that, that, that was, was my thinking was, you know, if, if he dies, someone is at least going to be a scroll Nick Fury. But then they, they executed that in a more interesting way in Far From Home because you never suspected them of being a scroll, and then the post credit scene it was oh he was a scroll this whole time yeah that makes sense that's why he was quite wooden in his delivery rather than going into a scroll show and thinking like oh yeah there's bound to be a, a twist somewhere oh ben has entered the waiting room he's coming in for a cameo i hope he's not expecting the podcast to start over <laughs> hello Here ben hello i didn't know if you'd still be recording i was hoping so yeah, so I'm glad that you could join us uh, for for a little while, make a little cameo. Um, anyway, thank you for listening. Make- if you want to get in touch, you can <laughs> make a you cameo or on me on my own podcast. Um, so I've uh, been we- pushed out. One Ben for another Ben. <laughs> we we genuinely have like pretty much covered the episode, but uh, do do you have do you have any general thoughts on that last yeah. episode of Secret Invasion? <sighs> I mean, it was, eh. There were two things that stood out for me that were about it. 
Okay. There were like two cool things and the rest of it I thought were a bit shit. One was the fact that I actually didn't catch on. I, I feel like this might be me being stupid, but Gaia... Yeah, we've, 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 yeah, we've literally just been talking about how obvious that was and how nobody would have been <laughs> fucked. <laughs> nobody would have thought that was actually Fury. It, do you know what gave it away? I thought it was, but do you know what gave it away? It was the coffin and everything. Like, I thought, okay, if it were Gaia, it wouldn't be showing this, but she's obviously yeah. a smarter cookie than she thought. The other thing is, and I'm hoping no one actually caught on to this, is that we've actually... They've, they've told us what, how long Rhodey has been a squirrel for. I, I we were don't... debating that, actually, as well, earlier. Uh, oh, no, it's 100% has got to be the reason. So, Go on, man. Know, so he was wearing the exact same hospital gown that he was wearing when he was having an MRI just after his legs broke in Civil War. We were saying earlier, Ben, if that's the case, it's a really bad character adjustment because it undercuts the emotional aspect in Endgame when he's talking to Nebula and when he's at Tony Stark's funeral. I can see that, but they do like their machines with giving them all their memories. And like like we saw with the guy um, who had the kid, do you know the guy with the launch codes for the sub? Yeah. yeah. He'd obviously form that emotional t- connection to the kid. And I was saying like, obviously the memories are there and that's a big part of forming connections. Um, but I thought it was it. I thought it's like cool because it does throw a spanner into the works and it does make you bring questions up. Like, do you know when he basically told, oh god, Ross? Oh yeah, General he Thunderbolt he, Ross. Yeah, he basically told him to fuck off, which was very unroady. Like all the way up to this point, he'd been by the book, and then he was like, "Yeah, I'll send him out. Fuck off." Yeah, like to to me, it makes most sense that he was replaced in the blip. Yeah, but we we will see. But I just I feel like it was it was so lacking. I like again. I I liked that. Obviously, we were talking about it that he kissed her as a squirrel. Nick Fury kissed his wife as a squirrel. Yeah, we we were just talking about that. I said that was, I did like that scene. I liked that bit of uh, tying up of loose ends there and and answering the question that we have been asking about. You know, does she? ever show him her true face to me to me that says that she'd never actually shown him in before yeah i think you know it's one of those things that he knows she's a scroll but i don't think she ever acted as a scroll around him but yeah it is too little too late i think honestly i think this episode wasn't the worst episode of the show like it, it by a long shot wasn't the worst episode of the show there was just nothing that I was invested in. It, that... it wasn't a final. Yeah, exactly. The, the, there was nothing there, particularly that I, I was like, well, I can't wait to see what they do about that, and I can't wait to see what they do about th- this other thing, because like, none of it had gripped me enough to, to make me care. I got more work done than if I wasn't watching it. <laughs> now, I just it was just like... I'm not saying it was completely terrible, but it just wasn't the last episode of a Marvel series by any means. I mean, it was exactly the last episode of a Marvel series because we had a big CGI fight. Well, we did We did say that they were going to have one, but I think it's got some... I did think it was... So in Ant-Man and the Wasp, the phase woman... Ghost. Yeah, 
I was surprised that they'd collected her DNA. Yeah, because he said it was from the fight with Thanos. Was she there? No, she wasn't in Endgame. I didn't know. I don't think so. Unless she was, she was always just off screen. But they'd all, also got Frost Giant, so I'm guessing that might have been the um, like the dog. Thing. Yeah, the the Frost Beast. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been through um, all the ones on the computer. There's like all the Black Order. Thanos is there. The Black Order. Thanos' yeah. henchmen and women. Oh yeah, because uh, do you know I did like it when um, I, d- I can't remember his name. Oh yeah, the, the one with uh, telekinesis. Yeah, I I thought that was cool when that pops up, and I was like, because in my opinion, he could solo Thanos if he wasn't dedicated to him. Ebony Moore. Yeah, I, I really liked that character. Had the creepy English accent. Yeah. Obviously, there's Olivia Coleman in here, but I wondered what she was saying. When that car were approaching uh, Gaia at the end, I was like, is it going to be Valentina Fontaine? Yeah, I was kind of surprised she hasn't shown up. There weren't even in a end, like a mid credit or end credit scene. Which no, was no, like, it's like they just went. You know what? It's gone to shit. Fuck it. Yeah, just just end it. Just end it now. <laughs> yeah. Just kill it. Kill it. <laughs> N- none of our predictions really were right. So I-, I was convinced that Talos's wife was still alive, or that there was something more to her death at least. And no, she's she's just dead. Like she even says to to Gravelax that you know you killed my mum and you killed my dad and I I was thinking then it was going to say I didn't kill your mum or like your mum's not dead or something no nothing your mum's not dead but you'll never find out where she is and the other thing was that that, that plant that plant in episode one that we were so convinced was foreshadowing something do you know what I think Marvel have kind of fell off with one like we always said one thing that Marvel always do amazingly is that they don't do something for no reason. Well, you know and what? They just, they just seem to start doing stuff for no reason. I I think Marvel has always been very good at giving the appearance that everything was planned. And it hasn't been. They've, they've taken it film by film. They've just always done a good job of tying everything together nicely in the past. But it's it's getting that sprawling now, especially with the TV shows, that it's getting like not possible to do that and connect everything up as well. I think one of the reasons there's so many inconsistencies just within this show itself is because I don't think this show, as we've seen it, bears a lot of resemblance to what was originally shot. I think a lot of this has been changed. Uh, I said to Ben earlier, I think a lot of the dialogue has been ADRD and afterwards there are shots of Fury in this where you can't see his face, he's just in shadow, but probably aren't Samuel L. Jackson. It's just his voice over the top. There were quite a few in that scene with uh, Gravik and Gaia. There were quite a few shots of Gravik talking to her where the camera was behind him and you couldn't see his face. And I think he wasn't saying that. Like, that is not what his mouth is saying there. The whole show is just... Really messy. Yeah, and I I think the show's been made. They've not been happy with it. And I think it's been taken apart and put back together in the editing room. And so maybe originally that plant did mean something, and that's why it was shot, and it's just kind of ended up 
still being in there because they liked the scene or whatever. I don't know. But I, I think I think this show isn't what was originally planned. And I don't know. <laughs> like we, we we can't say like whether it's been changed for the better or the worse. Who knows? I can't imagine it was a lot worse. Yeah, but it's, the, not, it's it's not very possible. But you know, there's got to be a reason. It, if I, if I'm right and that is what has happened, then there's got to be a reason to it. It just I don't know. Like it feels very chopped up and stuck back together. I I reckon um, they just spent the whole budget for the show on that little CGI fight because they had to pay every Avenger for using the limbs. <laughs> and the rest of the budget went to Samuel Jackson. Yeah. Oh, well, there's always Loki season two. I think that'll be a, a more illuminating series to talk about. Yeah, there's uh, Iron Heart, which I'm really excited about. I think it'd be cool. Oh, God, I'd forgot about that. Um, Echo. Oh, yeah. We can't let him on this podcast if, if he's going to swear like that. I didn't swear. He said Echo. No one cares about Echo. Oh, I thought you were going to defend it then. I thought you, because I shrugged my shoulders as I said it. I thought you were like, oh no, it's going to be great. I mean, it could be great, but I'm not. Do, as do you know what? It could, it. it could be. If if they really dial down on the use of sound in it, it could work really well. They, they could do some interesting stuff with yeah. her as a deaf character, couldn't they? I mean, Daredevil Born Again? Yes. Are we excited for that? Yeah, I am, because Daredevil in She Hulk was great. It just seems it seems too long. The trouble is they're not keeping any of the people who worked on the Daredevil Netflix show. If they wanted to get me excited, they should get the same writers from that back over, and they're not. And I just I don't know. I'm losing I'm losing faith in Marvel TV. It started off so well. I mean, it started off with One Division, and it never got what? better. One Division, no, come on. One Division, Moon Knight. What have they done that was better than One Division? Miss Marvel. No, I, I love Miss Marvel. But I no. prefer Miss Marvel. Loki. No. Loki. I prefer Loki. No. Vision is my third. We've been over this. Loki was a pleasant surprise. I wasn't that hyped for it, and then ended up enjoying it the most. I think. One Division did the most interesting stuff with the format of being a TV show. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But I just think it it was fantastic. And that was one we talked about earlier that this season you were never excited for the next episode. Whereas with One Division, you were really excited. It just did, trolled a little yeah. bit towards the end. Did you? I know you mentioned this last time. Did you mention that uh, Coven of Chaos is going to be similar to One Division in like the style? And you said maybe they're going to do different styles of film. Yeah, because I think some logos that have been seen on set. That they are all in the style of logos of different movies. Well, I thought it'd be cool if they did, because it's kind of, do you know, like different horror movie periods? Yeah. Do you know, like, what is it, that one with the invisible aliens that were like black and white? I don't, I don't know. Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Yeah, I, don't know. I think so. And like that kind of title. And if it was like that sort of style. Um, and they went through like Moon Knight is a different kind of horror style that you start be around and going through that would be quite cool. I hope they pick things back up. We wait and hope. I'm just looking back at, do you remember at the beginning of the year we made predictions for 2023? Oh, God. Right. Um, I was just looking, uh, your prediction for the highest grossing movie was uh, 
Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Your predictions for the best TV show of the year was Secret Invasion. How are you feeling? <laughs> oh. but this, this makes me nervous, though, because your prediction for best movie was the Marvels, and now I'm, I'm nervous that that's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> All my predictions, I'm, I'm, I'm not predicting like I'm doing the opposite. <laughs> Whatever I say is the opposite. I, I don't know. I think I just thought they were going to start off so strong. Like Ant Man, they were going to start off really strong. Um, and everyone was going to be really excited and that was going to be really highly, highly grossing. This was, it's like the first TV show for, for a while. Yeah, yeah, it has been a while. So I thought that, like they were going to hit the ground running with it. Like the last TV show that Marvel did was She-Hulk and that's like when we first started doing I think it was airing when we first started the podcast yeah because we did one episode on it yeah we, yeah. so I don't think we'll uh, we won't have started long enough while yeah. we're doing it to do one per and to be fair the expectation was there for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania yeah. because of the whole multiverse aspect and the trailer was good that did keep my like- interest the way I went around predicting it, like it's re- it was a reasonable prediction. Yeah, I think when you said it, I thought, yeah, Nick Fury is a G, so I thought best show, Nick Fury. <laughs> it's gonna work. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I don't think I was going out there with my predictions, which does make me shit myself for the Marvels now. Which we're really excited for. Can I, can I change my favorite? Can I change my favorite uh, movie? Uh, best movie prediction. Um, um, what's gonna be shit? Craven the Hunter. <laughs> yeah, Craven the Hunter. That's gonna be the best one. <laughs> I also watched. Uh, do you know? I said I watched Venom, and I was like, "Eh, they're all right." I watched uh, Let the Car- uh, Carnage. Yeah, that's even worse. No, that, I... but Let the Be Carnage is better than the first Venom. Definitely, yeah. Uh, not without it's a doubt, as well. It, it's funnier. Well, I just, I was like, I was like, that seems so short. Like nothing really happened. And the first Venom was caught between two different tones. It kind of started off trying to be gritty, and then there's a sudden weird tonal shift to actually it's like a buddy comedy, which was funnier. I'm glad yeah. we lent into that with the second one more often. We did the right thing with that tone. I just think it's 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 very. What's the word? Like disheartening that what we've had from Marvel so far has not been great. Yeah, twenty twenty three has not been when they've got such a an exciting saga planned out. Yeah, although Guardians three was this year and that was good. Yeah, that, when, that was that was really good. When was Wakanda forever? February was it? And so start so to be fair, they started off they did start the year off strong with Wakanda Forever, Guardians, uh She-Hulk. So I think was no She-Hulk. No, She-Hulk was last year. Last year. I think it may it makes me anxious because they're introducing a lot of new films. Like they're not building on as many. They're introducing so Thunderbolts. Um, Fantastic Four. There, obviously, that's good. That's good. You can't. You can't just keep relying on. No, I know. Same old. If if they're gonna 
keep doing things the way they have, that it's just going to crash and burn. I do think maybe we should like focus on a few heroes at a time. We got like you know think about phase one. We got Iron Man, Hulk, Thor, Captain America, um, and, and then we got Avenger, and they like they focused on doing sequels to those characters. Like, how long ago since we got Shang Chi, and how long? Twenty one. And how long is it going to be until we get a sequel? Like we've not even announced was, a second one. No, and that was a great film. It was a decent film. I I, I really I, enjoyed it. But I wouldn't I've, get all Tony the Tiger about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I don't know. I, I think obviously from my background as well, it, that sort of thing makes me excited. You know, the martial arts side yeah. of thing makes me really excited about it. So that obviously has an influence from my side. Uh, and the stunt work in it was all great. Shang-Chi is in the Barbie movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, he is, isn't he? Uh, Simu Lee. Simu Lee is, yeah. We've got well off topic now, so yeah. uh, we should probably wrap up. Unless, have, have you got any anything else that you want to add to the podcast, Ben? Have you seen Barbie or Oppenheimer? No, not yet. Okay, right. Let's uh, let's wrap things up then. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for, for persevering through Secret Invasion with us. If you would like to get in touch, you can email us. We are on notnpod at gmail.com. You can message us on social media. Uh, pretty much everywhere we are at News of the Nerd. If you'd like to help us grow, uh, then please subscribe. Uh, please give us a rating and please tell your friends. Uh, tell anyone that you think would be interested. Tell anyone who you know who is into this Marvel nonsense as much as we are. And tell Henry Cavill's mum. <laughs> yes! I, I That's good for, enough. I, I was going to tell you scrums, but tell Henry Cavill's scrum. Mmm, scrumptious. <laughs> anyway, goodbye. 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 How did you introduce this podcast? I'm interested. You'll have to listen to it. Oh, I see how it is. Spoilers. Shutting me out already. One Ben for another. <laughs>